0: Welcome to the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations Interviews podcast, a series of brief conversations with leading China experts on key issues in the Sino-American relationship. For more interviews, videos, and links to events, visit us at www.ncuscr.org.
1: Welcome to our speakers and viewers. My name is Tom Moore, Senior Advisor at the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations. Over the past two years, BlackBerry has sponsored National Committee programming on technological cooperation between the United States and China. Last year's programs focused on US-China cooperation in autonomous vehicles and smart cities. This year, BlackBerry's generous support has allowed us to host a two-part series on electric vehicles. With climate change of increasing concern around the world, electric vehicles, or EVs, are one meaningful way to reduce the world's reliance on fossil fuels. Understandably, the market for these incredible vehicles is enormous, however, the new technologies involved present a range of issues that both countries need to address. To discuss the EV market in China and the United States, we are honored to have Mr. William Lai, Vice President at Pateo Group, a leading Internet of Vehicles technology service and product provider in China, along with Tom Cooney, Vice President for Global Public Policy at General Motors. Guiding the conversation, we have Sarah Tatsas, Senior Vice President of Platform Development at BlackBerry. Let me turn it over to Sarah to start the conversation.
0: Thanks, Tom. William and Tom, thank you very much for joining us today. I look forward to today's conversation. William, maybe we'll start with you. From Mateo's perspective, what are you seeing as the main opportunities that are facing the EV market in your country? And, And also maybe mention some of the challenges.
2: Actually, for the opportunities and uh, the challenges, there are many, many uh, factors. So I would like first to talk about the opportunity first. I think uh, there are major three opportunities in in China. Uh, The first one is the policy and the development of the new EV is now the trend of the automotive industry, but it is the result of the new energy revolution. Uh, the Chinese or the international requirement for the uh, environment protection policies have laid a good foundation, and for the uh, development of the new energy vehicles market. Uh, the Chinese central government has set the goal that we hit the uh, carbon peak emission in 2030. Under this guidance and uh, the uh, of the policies, the new EV has become a general change. And also the government consumption super cities have also given a boost to the uh, new EVs. Also, the government encourages the construction of infrastructure facilities such as uh, charging piles. Uh, as you know, that in big cities such as uh, Shanghai, Beijing, and Guangzhou, you can easily find the uh, charging hubs and uh, the piles. Uh, in 2021, the new EV sales volumes reached 3.5 million uh, in, in, in China. It's a big volume here. And the second one to uh, mention is about the technology opportunity. The development of technology, especially the uh, battery technology, has eliminated uh, uh, the range anxiety of uh, many consumers when they used the new EVs before. The range can now exceed 500 kilometers. This has also made the new EV widely accepted by the customers. Also, the price goes down by the uh, evolution of the battery uh, technology, too. And the third thing I think I want to mention is about the uh, transportation preference. Uh, with the development of the high speed chain and the flight networks, and uh, for example, for chips, more than 800 kilometers, Chinese people would mainly choose the airplane uh if the distance between 200 and 800 kilometers they will mainly choose the high speed chain because the high speed chain speed is around 300 kilometers per hour so it only takes one hour to an hour for for this kind of travel save a lot of time time and only for chips around within 200 kilometers they would mainly consider driving the car so the new ev can meet the range requirement So such kind of uh, transportation peripheries have created a larger space for the development of the new EV market. That is very, very important things too, I think. And uh, regarding the challenges, I think uh, also I want to mention about the three parts. The first is also the technology. Uh, When it comes to uh, the weight, uh, the capacity and the safety of the battery, and uh, now the current battery technology still needs improvement, also. And also, the price, as you know, that the, the cost for the battery motor and the electric control system reaches 50 to 60% of the car bomb cost. It's a very big money. Uh, it's a big problem, too. And then the second is the um, infrastructure construction, too. So, charging equipment. Uh, equipment and the layout of some uh, some of the car making uh, making companies have the battery swap uh, technologies. So for the battery swap stations, we also hinder the development of the new EVs. I mean the coverage for the uh, for example the community, the city, suburb, and also the highway service stations. Whether the chain, the charging hubs or the charging piles are well deployed there. So this kind of uh, need, things needs a lot of investment and also it takes uh, time to deploy and to develop. And the third thing is that for the long term, uh, the environment protection issue, uh, such as uh, the battery recycling and reuse, are also a challenge to the development of the new EVs. So that is three, part, three points of the opportunities and a three part of the uh, challenges in, 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 in China.
0: Thanks, William. I think that gives like a really good overview of, of as you said, those opportunities and challenges. Um, how about here in the US, Tom? Uh, what, is, what is GM seeing?
3: Sure, thank you, Sarah. And uh, great to be here with you and William and the National Committee. Um, I joined GM about uh, three years ago after being in the State Department, and, and much of my career was spent as a diplomat in China, so worked with the National Committee, and, and this, is, this is a great program to be a part of. I think William said it very well, um, You know, just going up to a, a really high level, though, the opportunity that, that we see is an industry that is in complete transformation. Uh, this is a once-in-a-century transformation, the whole propulsion system of the vehicle. It's like, it's like the moving from the horse and buggy era to the gasoline-powered era that you know, took place 100, 110 years ago. Um, maybe when you think of General Motors and all of our brands, Chevrolet, Cadillac, uh, you think of you know, the great gasoline-powered vehicles of the past. But by 2035, we're moving to completely zero emissions, all-electric fleet. Um, This is an extraordinary transformation, and this is what attracted me to join GM at this time, to join this industry at this time. Um, You know, further, the the vehicles, the the opportunity to move from a traditional manufacturing automaking kind of company and industry and uh, becoming more of a technology platform innovator, that is what is happening in vehicles these days as well. So, uh, you know, sometimes I think about it as as uh, our vehicles will be rolling iPhones rather than, you know, just just a vehicle moving you from point uh, uh, point A to point B. Uh, GM, we we spent a lot of time recently talking about our company purpose and, and coming up with what is our company purpose. And, you know, very simply is we are a company that pioneers the innovations that moves and connects people to what matters. And moving and connecting is is the key phrase. Before all we did was move people, right? You know, you get in your car, you go from one place to another. Now you're going to be fully connected, and um, so it's a very very different kind of product. It's very exciting. The opportunities are there. Um, demand is extremely high in the United States. We're coming out with a whole series of electric vehicles, and the orders are uh, the pre-orders for these vehicles. For example, we'll have a new Chevrolet Silverado electric truck coming out next year. We already have over 100,000 orders just for that truck. Um, the Equinox at a lower price point, only $30,000. Same thing, Blazer. We have just have many, many vehicles that are coming out and trying to meet the consumer demand for them is, is our challenge, and it's kind of a happy problem. So those are uh, those are significant opportunities that are out there. And it's also on the commercial side. So, you know, a lot of times we're thinking about EVs just for passengers, for you and I to buy a vehicle in our driveway. But we also created a brand new company called Bright Drop for electric delivery uh, vans, electric delivery trucks. And uh, those are sold out um, with uh, Federal Express and with Verizon and uh, Walmart and, and other kinds of companies. So these are big electric um, zero emission solutions that come with their own software logistics. They come with um, electric self-propelled pallets inside to, to help the delivery driver make uh, uh, make their deliveries. So completely different uh, way of of um, you know transforming that industry as well. Uh, so uh, you know, I could go on and on, but you know lots of opportunities. The challenges are, you know uh, helping the consumer, like William said, uh, feel comfortable with the vehicle the range anxiety building out infrastructure working with governments uh, on appropriate incentives as well consumer purchase incentives one of the reasons why china is so successful in in increasing its uh, electric vehicle uh, penetration rate the adoption rate is because of the very healthy consumer incentives that are offered um, and we need to uh we need to work on that in the united states and we need more infrastructure as well so thank you there.
0: Yeah, that's great, I, and I think, I, I mean, I heard in, in both of the opportunities that, uh, Tom, that you just outlined, and, and William, that you did as well, that really technology and innovation is what's helping to, to drive now the opportunity in the EV vehicle space, as well as obviously a number of other technological, social and economic factors. Um, maybe just if we talk about the innovation uh, side itself, um, and maybe Tom will start with you this time. How do you see the EV uh, innovation evolving over time, and and also, you know, what what are you seeing as spillover effects maybe into other sectors?
3: Yeah, I, so if you think about it, General Motors just five years ago we introduced um, a vehicle called the Chevrolet Bolt, uh, which at the time it's a it's a hatchback all electric, and at the time it was industry leading in terms of range. We've gone from that five years ago to having our own complete battery system called Ultium. So under I, I mentioned a bunch of vehicles earlier. Um, underpinning all of those vehicles, the, the Silverado, the, the new Hummer, uh, the Cadillac Lyric coming out later this year is what's called the Ultium battery system. Um, the beauty of that system is that it's, it's our, our own. We're, we're building it ourselves. It's not a supplier relationship. Um, and it can be the, the battery cells can be either stacked vertically or horizontally. It's a very flexible architecture. So you can have it inside a super truck like the Hummer, which is zero emissions. It's not like the old Hummer. Um, or you can have it in a very, very small uh, vehicle, a uh, very affordable um, kind of vehicle. So that uh, moving in just five years from, from the bolt, previous technology to the new Ultium system. Is um, is a big landmark of innovation. Plus, the battery chemistry, you know, what goes in those cells, is constantly changing for every automaker. Um, everybody's looking for um, the right uh, the right recipe, the right the right formula. And we've been um, adjusting our own battery chemistry in order to make a, a, have more sustainable sourcing. Uh, not only to reduce costs, but for ethical sourcing. So for example, we've driven down the amount of cobalt in our batteries uh, by 70%. One, it, it uh, decreases costs, that's that's good for the consumer. But two, uh, we have concerns uh, about the ethical mining of uh, of cobalt in places around the world. So um, these are lots of things that we're, we're thinking about as we shift the propulsion system for the vehicles. and and the supply chains. Um, In addition to Altium, there's a lot of other uh, kinds of applications. We've also got hydrogen fuel cell technology, which we are not using in passenger vehicles, but uh, we have a HydroTech fuel cell system that we're working with Navistar on long range commercial trucking. So hydrogen is really, you know, if you think of the Apollo rockets that went to the moon, those were hydrogen fueled because it's a very good source of energy when you need a lot of power or or long long hauls so perfect for long uh, long range uh, commercial trucking um, other examples are we're, we have a test with an aerospace company for using hydrogen cell fuels in uh, in aerospace um, in in flying and also um, we invested in an electric power boat company to use uh, ultium or hydrotech there so we we really are going into land sea and air solutions with these new um, with these new kinds of technologies the ultium batteries and uh, the hydrotech fuel cells
0: yeah that's really that's really great tom i think um really maybe a, a similar question to you and maybe you could also give a little bit because because i know a lot of software uh, innovation is also happening within these within the uh, the ev space as well so we could also talk about maybe a little bit about the software innovation that that, that sure, is sure. seeing and as well as anything else that you have to add around what uh, EV innovation is really driving this transformation.
2: OK, uh, actually, uh, just as uh, um, Tom mentioned, the new EV have different power uh, transmissions, from, for example, the hydrogen, the battery, or the fuel cell. So here I want to emphasize some something on the BEV, Actually, new EV in, in China equals uh, BEV. A, a, as you know, the 99% of the new EV cars may be a BEV, uh, also some uh, plugins or something like that. Now, Chinese uh, BEV is actually evolving uh, with the development of uh, two major things. Uh, one is uh, the new EV technology, and the, another thing is the understanding of the market. I think these two parts are also very, very important too and they are promoting each other. As you know that maybe 20 years ago, the initial stage of the new EV development is that just as Tom mentioned, is the transformation of the energy and the power of the vehicle. Uh, Traditional automakers transform the power of the traditional fuel uh, vehicles to battery. And then the first batch of a new EV appears in in China. But in 2016, I think uh, this year, is very important year. It comes to the second stage with the development of technology and as a market more and more the forces of a car making such as Tesla and the enterprise with the ICT background. Just as you know, uh, Neo, Xiaopeng and uh, uh, Li Xiang have this background joining to build new EV cars. Then we started to think about the, uh, the new EV development and the graduates will break away from the traditional vehicles. Uh, this gives us more space for imagination too. And also from this year, uh, the AI technology and the voice technology, I mean, the intelligent cabin uh, made the EV enter, uh, enter into the uh, intelligent developing state, too. The overall development space and imagination space were larger it's not just the uh, transportation uh, tools. Uh, the new EV uh, automakers focus on the end user more just then to build the car itself. They will spend a lot of time studying the user scenarios and the, the user experience because the, they have um, many of the uh, internet background. And uh, as you know that Chinese uh, internet is very well developed, the new EV automakers will spend a lot of money and energy uh, in the infotainment, just as Patil did uh, in the past time and also the user operation. So, for example, Patil, we mainly focus on three things. One is intelligent cabin and another thing is intelligent driving and uh, customer operating. So this parts is very, very important too. And uh, in additional the autonomous driving start to be uh, implemented for the uh, new EVs. The um, implementation rate, uh, it's much higher, maybe three times than the uh, traditional vehicles too. Uh, They are mainly level two or level two plus. Uh, It's about advantage, convenience, and uh, application space and room for the technology. It's much, much more than this traditional vehicles. I think this is very important too, and uh, for the um, also another thinking is about that the automotive have changed from the simple means of uh, transportation to an intelligent mobile space. We ju- we also call it the third space of the of the man. In, in China, we sometimes we call that third space of the man: the home, the your work, the office, and there's a third space for you. Uh, thinking from this perspective, we all know that the development of the Internet of Things uh, will promote the technology innovation uh, of other industry too. So it would be any other uh, things, for example, mobile shops, mobile cinemas, a lot of things. that Actually, Pateo has uh, tried this kind of uh, mobile ca- uh, cafeteria uh, moving around, and then you can put your order on your smartphone, and we will come to your location and you can take the coffee yourself. So here is the innovation things in, 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 in China. Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly seems that um, the, the vehicles are probably the most advanced IoT endpoint point to implement. And we'll see how also we see spell, spillover technologies from there to the broader IoT uh, ecosystem. Great. So in terms of, uh, and maybe William, we can start with you on this question, but what rules do you see um, both governments being able to play um, that could help to develop and boost this in- industry and uh, innovation ecosystem? Um, and, and I guess, are there any opportunities that, that you can see around um, both China and the US being able to learn from each other in this area?
2: Okay. in uh, I think uh, uh, in the development of any industry especially in in China and also especially in the development of uh, automotive industry it, because it's very very important for 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 for, for, for the country uh, the government plays a very very important role uh, in terms of for example setting the standards including the safety standards and the quality standards and the making policies and the uh, for example, also uh, formulation of uh, regulations. So this is very important. And uh, some uh, subsidies policies also uh, have uh, facilitated to the industry development in the short term too. I think this kind of uh, uh, short-term things are also very important. Uh, the techn- technology and the formulation of a regulation uh, can um, facilitate and promote each other. Uh, the government's influ- influence and also the power of uh, its guidance are obvious. Let me take some examples for you. Uh, as you know, that central government in China has set up the carbon credit system for the automakers. Uh, and the credit points can be exchanged among the automakers. Uh, for example, the traditional OEM, uh, not OEM, for example, automakers cannot meet the requirement so that they have to buy the credit uh, points from the new EV automakers. So Tesla benefits a lot from selling the credit points, uh, not only, not just only selling their cars in, in China, selling the cars overseas. So this is one of the, uh, the policy too. And for the local government, just as I mentioned, it is the central government and also the local government. Uh, for example in shanghai tesla also enjoyed the subsidy very much uh, the shanghai government offers tesla around 100 uh, 1300 acres of land to build their gigafactory only 10% of the market price it's totally on. <laughs> yeah it's too low yeah and uh, also give them a very low very 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 low rate uh, low too so uh, they can enjoy too many this kind of a benefit from them too and uh, i think there are certain differences between uh, china and the u.s uh, for example in the economic and uh, local uh, legal system i think uh, uh, we should learn from each other the strengths to offset their weakness for example, in, in China, with the weakness for us is, for example, the chipset, the AI technology, or such kind of things. But uh, uh, we have, uh, we know the market Ch- Chinese. We have a very, very big market here, and so I think we can learn from each other and help each other to go forward. So China has a very big market here to to do that. Yeah, thank you.
0: Great, and and thanks, thanks, William, and, Tom, how about your view on this? What are both governments able to do in terms of playing a role to really help to um, develop this industry further and help innovation uh, uh, ecosystem in general?
3: Well, General Motors is in the unique position of being able to learn from both markets because we have uh, China, the Chinese market is extremely important to us. We've had a a very successful history since uh, the 1990s in China um and and believe it or not we have the the number one selling uh ev uh, in china uh tesla is the number one position overall but in terms of a particular model um one of our joint ventures with um with uling has the mini Hongguang ev which yes. is the number one, one, number one selling vehicle very small cute um, um great urban sort of runabout vehicle and And so we're learning from there and we're learning with our joint venture partners in China, how to how to appeal to the uh, to the consumer. Um, And also, of course, um, um, you know, I would I would echo Williams comments about the Chinese government in terms of its EV manufacturing incentives, consumer purchase incentives. Those are extremely important. We work with the U.S. government, federal government in Washington, and also with at the state and local level for similar kinds of incentives, um, because that's extremely important. Incentives are not meant to last forever. But, you know, going back to my earlier sort of, you know, 30,000 foot comments, when a industry is in complete transformation and the consumer has anxiety about making this big switch from one type of vehicle to another uh, that they've been used to, then you need government policy support to ease that um, that that pain. So, the the bipartisan infrastructure act that passed last year had 7.5 billion dollars in it for uh, electric vehicle infra um, infrastructure charging. Um, that's extremely important. And and companies like GM, we're investing ourselves. We have a whole series of partnerships with companies like EVGo to build out uh, privately the. Um, uh, the the charging infrastructure network, because that's, that's very important. And it has to be fast charging, too. People don't want to pull over and then have to wait an hour to be able to get on the road again. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be everywhere, and it has to be fast. Um, uh, General Motors is investing $35 billion in EV and autonomous vehicle development, AV, um, by 2025, $35 billion. So, We've got our, as we say, we've got our skin in the game. we're we're all in. We're making a big bets. We have no hybrid vehicles, no hybrid vehicles. We are going all electric. And um, so that is uh, you know major investments. And uh, we need the support of the government for for consumer purchase incentives um, for the for the short term to spur adoption. Um, and similarly, we, um, on, in a regulatory capacity, we work closely with the federal government and with uh, state governments on autonomous vehicles. Our, our autonomous subsidiary is called Cruise, and we have um, gained um, permissions, regulatory approvals to run driverless rides using the Chevrolet Bolt currently. Uh, all over San Francisco. So there's been thousands of driverless rides around San Francisco. This is not science fiction in the future. This is happening right now. You can go to San Francisco, you can get an app, and you can call one of these vehicles to come and give you a ride. We chose San Francisco because it's a very difficult driving environment uh, with all the hills and twisty roads. So if you can master that, you can master pretty much uh, anywhere. Um, and we've, we've also, I I just, I guess I would finish by mentioning we, we have a purpose-built autonomous vehicle, no steering wheel, no driver position. You can't tell the front from the back because it can go in both directions and it's called the cruise origin. Um, and this is in advanced state of testing right now, level five autonomous vehicle technology, uh, you know, like I said, no, no driver, uh, controls. And this will be, uh, we have an agreement with the government of Dubai uh, in United Arab Emirates uh, by the end of 2023 to start running a, a robo taxi service using the cruise origin. So innovation is moving forward. Um, it, it takes government policies to support it, but also you know, working closely with regulatory authorities on, on safety issues and, and everything else because those are so important.
0: Great, so Tom and William, we're almost done our time this morning, um, maybe I'll ask you each to just, and maybe I'll Tom, I'll, I'll start with you, just give me one thing that you see um, as uh, exciting over the next five years uh, for the EV industry.
3: Oh, there's there's so many things. Uh, so just trying to uh, trying to pick one of them, I, I I'm excited by the multiple applications of the technologies that are being developed. So, you know, going back to we've, we've got the Ultium battery system, we've got the hydrotech hydrogen fuel cell power cubes. Um, these have multiple kinds of, of uses. And, you know, by the way, when a battery has, has reached the end of its life as in a vehicle, we're also looking at um, battery re- recycling. Um, it's very important that the um, um, supply chains, you know, uh, be renewed. You can either break down the battery or, or they can have a second life as a stationary power source. Take it out of the vehicle, and it can help power a school, power a factory. Um, I'm excited by the fact that um, General Motors is committed to be completely carbon neutral by 2040. So not only will our fleet be zero emissions by 2035, but all of our plants around the world, all of our operations will be running on renewable energy and we'll have a zero carbon footprint by 2040. Um, so th- for all these reasons, I, I was excited um, to to leave a, a great career in the State Department of Foreign Service and join an iconic company that is actively disrupting itself. You know, General Motors is a company that has been around for 108 years and it is actively disrupting itself in order to uh, to lead these these innovations in the future. So lots to be excited about.
0: That's great. And William, how about you? What's the one thing that makes you most excited in this space for the next five years?
2: Um, in the next five years, uh, uh, first the thing uh, I want to mention is about the um, market share. I think maybe in less than five years, I think uh, uh, in, in, in China, the market share will reach 50%. But as you know, in, in, in China, in the advertisement, you cannot see any of the traditional uh, uh, advertisement for their traditional cars. For the BMW, we can only see i3, iX3, uh, such as kind of electric cars too, the new EVs too. And another thing I want to uh, see uh, that, um, uh, they will mainly f- focus on not the, uh, the power chain, no, how, how, the, how you can sp- speed from uh, zero to 100. They will mainly focus on the experience. The Internet of Things, I think uh, this is very, very important in, in, in China. Just as I mentioned, uh, as you know, that uh, Internet has well developed in, in China. Uh, I will give you one example. Uh, Chinese people would like to uh, to, to, to sing color OK. In, in, in the car when they are driving, for, for example, uh, the the husband is driving, uh, the wife will sing color okay besides. So this is very very popular. You can sell the color okay my to 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 the customer. So this will be just change change what is a vehicle is. It's just a, not a means of a transportation. Just another way of your life. It's another um, means of your search cert- spaces. I think this is very important, Uh, excited to see that in five years. That's it. Thank you.
0: Great. Tom and William, thank you both so much. Um, I think this is such an exciting space we could spend all day talking. Um, I really appreciate you giving us an overview about uh, the Chinese EV market, the US EV market, and really where this innovation is going. So thank you both.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, William. Thank you, Sarah. And I want to thank all three of our speakers today, William Lai, Tom Cooney, and Sarah Tassis, for explaining the state of EVs in both the United States and China. Please join us again for the second part of this series, which will discuss the technological and policy-related issues for these vehicles. That event will take place in early June and will be posted on the National Committee's website soon. Thanks and goodbye.
0: For more interviews, videos, and links to events like this one, visit us at www.ncuscr.org.